Welcome to the Sheila Kamek Strategy Podcast. Today my guest is Suleiman Traore. Suleiman is the Chief Executive Officer of a joint venture between the Government of Guinea and a private entity, the company known as CBG Mines Bauxite in that country. He has over 20 years of international experience, especially in the fields of external audit in oil and mining. He is competent in internal financial controls and strategic planning. He has a lot of experience too in managing projects, especially financing of large projects and managing relations with international lenders. Suleiman, welcome to the Sheila Kamek Strafi podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you with me today. This is my pleasure, Sheila. Pleasure to be invited to the pod, to this podcast. I appreciate. Yes, I I thought it, it's worth speaking to you about fiscal policies from an, a company and an investor's perspective. So, could you just uh, perhaps explain to us why are fiscal policies an important consideration for mining companies when they make investments? Thank you, Sheila. This um, question of fiscal policy is very important. Um, It's a very important consideration for mining company because the fiscal policy are determinant of the ultimate profitability of mining investment projects. This is particularly the case in developing country insofar as natural resources resources in developing country are the main sources of income for this country to meet their development need and to satisfy their population. These developing countries often tend to modify their tax policies by increasing their taxes to cope with a particular conjunctures or they increase needs. That's why this question of fiscal policies is almost a cornerstone of the investment decision made by the mining company. Hmm. So, so what you're saying is in addition to undertaking exploration and finding minerals, uh, when mining companies think about whether to invest or not, one of the, the things they do is really study the fiscal regime and try and understand how it's going to impact their ability to make profit or not. Would that be correct? Exactly. Exactly, Sheila, as you, as you just mentioned, you know that when you decide to do an investment in, 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 in mining sector, you will do you know, an assessment of the prof- profitability of your investment, okay? And uh, the, 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 the fiscal policies are important on, in this perspective because the level of um, uh, levies and taxes are important to determine whether you would be ultimately profitable or not. That's why you know the fiscal policies is very very important in the mining investment decision. Hmm. So of course you and I are talking about mining, but before mining comes exploration. So at what stage do mining companies begin to look at these fiscal policies? Did they influence? whether to undertake exploration or are companies less concerned with fiscal policy at exploration and only really begin to think about it once the deposit is made? 
Yeah, I think that the, the mining company, you know, start thinking about the textal policy even at this stage of exploration. I'm going to explain short why that for you, you if you if you may if you may know, you know, uh, at the exploration stage, the mining company will be spending money without any certainty that he will discover enough marketable resources. So it's important at this phase where the mining company is taking risk to have some incentive in under the format of uh, you know uh, an attractive fiscal policy that's why even at this stage of the exploration this question of fiscal policy is very important that's interesting so when uh, mining companies look at fiscal policies uh and consider whether to proceed or not to proceed with mine development. What are the specific aspects of fiscal policies in that process that mining police companies are particularly concern themselves with? Okay, so we, 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 can, we can summarize it in two items. The, the first uh, you know, item to take in consideration is the level of the, 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 the taxes, let's say, you know, uh, investing in the country where, you know, the, 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 the income tax is at 25% and uh, ex, ex, investing in other where is 35 things up. So everything re, remaining equal is not the same decision. You will definitely prefer to go where, you know, you will be paying less, less you know, tax bill. The second and not the least, the least important is really the stability over the period of your investment. What do you mean? I mean by stability is whether the country is will keep changing you know, the fiscal policy over the course of your investment and the project that's also is important. So in nutshell, you will have two considerations, the level of taxation and the stability of the fiscal policy. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can explain to us why, uh, from a company's perspective, the stability of the fiscal regime is such a concern. Okay, so as I was explaining, a non-stable fiscal policy environment refers to frequency change of tax code by host country in the form of increased taxes, new taxes, or mandatory levies. Stability is important for a project sponsor viewpoint for the following reason. Mining projects are capital intensive projects by nature that are profitable over more or less long period. The level of taxes naturally influence the cash flow and the profitability of the project. In fine, that is why it's important, you know, to have um, a stable fiscal policy. Because mm -hmm. as you know, Sheila, when you decide to do the investment, we do you will do you know take some assumption and to look at the profitability of your investment. Let's say you 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 are you are you are envisioning um, uh, a, a payback uh, for your investment ten years payback. When you do this assessment, you will take the assumption at some level of uh, let's say in general the income taxes, if. Before these 10 years, a host country just decided to increase you know, the level of the tax. You will agree with me that 
your, your, your payback period is not the same anymore. And we need to understand that when wherever you or a mining company in the same thing, when you decide to invest in the business, you will look at the risk and the reward and you, your, your ultimate goal is to make, to, be, to, to, to make money, to be profitable. And whatever things that can impact this profitability, we will pay a very big attention to that. That's why it's important, uh, discussion of uh, stability in terms of fiscal policies. So I, I think sometimes uh, uh, the weight stability might be misleading because um, I, I think of it in two ways. First of all, I assume that it means the parameters for taxation don't change. But it doesn't mean that if, for instance, the commodity market changes, the state cannot adjust within those parameters. Also, as you and I know, sometimes geologists can understate the true value of the ore. Clearly, if in the process of mining, we find that we had understated the value and that the value is much more than we thought. Surely, if we as a government make changes in those circumstances, that does not represent lack of stability. Would you agree? It's, it's, it's depend, I, I can understand this perspective, yes, but that will depend really um, on the way, you know, the, 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 the convention with the, between the mining company and the, the, and, and the host country is established. Some, it depends also with, with the level of risk the, the host country wanna take, okay? If um, the host country just decided that I'm going to, 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 to set my, my, my fiscal policy at the outset of before the, the decision of investment is made, in such a way that I will benefit from any increase of, uh, um, I mean, the, the, on, on, the, on the commodity prices on the international market, so that you need to anticipate this at the outset when you are establishing the convention. Let's say that you, 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 I have seen it in the, in the oil industry where the level of taxation will depend on the level of the market, international um, uh, prices on the market. But all this depends on the decision. But when I talk about physical, physical stability, when you decide that this is going to be, for instance, the most important taxation is the income taxes, is the 35% uh, with a kind of minimum taxes. If uh, the, you, you keep changing it, either or not, the, the, the mining company is making a profitability depending on the, 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 the level of um, international uh, commodity prices on the international market, the mining company definitely will, will, will be hurt. I agree that, that if the circumstances, economic circumstances are making in such a way that the anticipated profit, the, the actual profitability is far above the anticipated, the one anticipated by the, 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 the mining company that 
the government should, you know, start to open a discussion with the mining company to see how they can benefit. I fully understand this, this perspective, but, but it cannot be unilateral decision to keep changing, you know, the, the, the fiscal policy and the taxation level that will definitely uh, discourage the investment in the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, you've said two things that are important. The first is that uh, whatever happens based on the economic modeling and the projected levels mm -hmm. of profitability that are accepted, as long as within uh, that original agreement, we don't go presumably below. As long as that expectation, that expected uh, rate of return by the company is not tampered with, then uh, this is acceptable. The second thing is that you suggest that if, in, if that is the case, if a government wishes to revisit the level of taxation, then it mustn't be unilateral. There should be, exactly. from what you're saying, there should be a negotiation to re to move the corner poles. I think that it's, is because what you're saying is at that point, it's not about changing the law. It's about changing an agreement. That's really the difference. Exactly. Yes. And, 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 I and think you are right. It, this is very important. You, you, you know that um, we are in the world where you know, the, the, the mobility of capital is very important. So it's important that um, a country should give confidence to the investor. That is very important. Okay. In general, the, the investors are, I, I say in general, I'm talking here with caution, are very reasonable. If you are able to, to discuss with the investor to show that you know the 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 the, 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 the economic circumstances has greatly improved that and that you are expecting your fair share of this situation, I think that you it's, it's possible to, to 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 reach to a, an agreement and to make such a way that there is a win-win uh, in this uh, partnership. Mm. Another important uh, turn of phrase, the fair share, because the assumption is that right from the beginning, the tax that the state is levying is fair and gives each party a fair take. And that yeah. if, like you said, the economics, either of the project or of the market or whatever, impact the cake such that the proportionate distribution of the revenue is in favor of, of one over the other. Then the fairness mm -hmm. goes out of the window. And that is what warrants people coming back to the table to say, okay, the circumstances have changed. How do we realign our principles of fair share and win-win? So what you're saying exactly. is in those circumstances, that is acceptable. What is not acceptable yeah. is that either party takes a unilateral view of the economics and begins to, to change the agreement without reference to the other. Exactly. That is exactly my point, Sheila. Mm. 
I think, uh, I, I think uh, in the world of the reasonable, as you rightly said, this would be acceptable, but sometimes you do find that uh, reasonableness does not prevail. I wanted to speak about this uh, issue of tax a, a little more. You know, one of the most controversial practices is what is called transfer pricing. And I wanted yes. to ask you, because you, you are an auditor and an internal controller, uh, and, and you would understand this. Could you then explain to the listeners, what do we mean by transfer pricing? Okay, um, I'm, I'm going to try to explain it is my own word. Huh? I'm not a specialist of um, transfer pricing. So transfer pricing refers to the terms and conditions surrounding transactions within a multinational company. It concerns the price charged between associated enterprises established in different countries for the intercompany transaction, i.e. transfer of goods or services. This particular, this is an extract, an extract of the definition given uh, by um, uh, uh, the U U European Union. So the, the, the technical meaning of transfer pricing is that you have two companies, you know, belonging to the same conglomerate or, or group who has transaction between them, okay? Uh, in the normal circumstances, the two companies can enter in a commercial relationship, okay? And sells product to each other and invoice them. That is, it can be normal, but what is termed as transfer pricing, the, 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 the meaning we are giving when we are talking about it as an issue is when a conglomerate or a, a multinational company uh, who has operation in two different countries with the level of taxation different, take profit of that to charge the country where the taxation, the, the tax bill is heavy so that they will lower their profit. And that's what is condemnable and what is, that what is being an issue. Uh -huh. Else, having a transaction between two parent or two related company on its own is not uh, illegitimate. Wonderful. So I'm going to try and break it down for myself. So what you're really saying is in the world of transfer pricing, there are two buckets. The first is yeah. the legitimate one and the second yeah. is the illegitimate one. And, yeah. and people use this term interchangeably as if they refer to the same thing. And I think that's important. And the legitimate side of uh, transfer pricing is really where you have a multinational company or a conglomerate with different business units operating in different uh, jurisdictions and sometimes within the same jurisdictions and basically trading with each other exactly. and therefore generating invoices from one company to another charging because in the world of business, there is no free lunch. Even companies belonging to the same entity must each pay for themselves 
and nobody does provides a service for another for free. And if that invoice is raised or uh, the one company charges the other, this is legitimate as long as the pricing is correct and is fair and represents fair value. Exactly. Mm -hmm. the, exactly. In, so, in, in this case, Sheila, as long as, as you said, that the invoice raised to charge another company, you know, it reflect exactly um, uh, what I call a, ser a service provided to another company or a good sold to another company is legitimate. The second question is, is it done at the fair or competitive prices? I mean, between the cost transaction cost between the two entities belonging to the same conglomerate or company, are they more or less equal if the transaction or the services have, 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 will have been provided by an independent company? That is the question we should ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. As long as those two criteria are met, there is nothing illegitimate of uh, having transaction between two uh, companies operating in different country with different taxation level. Mm -hmm. so, so in other words, uh, the, the, as long as the pricing represents fair market value and that exactly. if that company had sourced that service or those goods from another company at arm's length, so to speak, exactly. they would have paid- Exactly, that is the technical term, yeah. Yeah, they would have paid pretty much the same amount. And, exactly. and so the, the illegitimate side is where we use this legitimate, uh, if you wish, uh, accounting or supply chain or whatever uh, system to one shift revenue generated in a country in which the taxation may be high and shift it to as a cost to a country where tax is low, because that way we are avoiding paying genuine tax in country X and the conglomerate benefits, because then we have not only avoided paying tax, we have also deprived that country of genuine revenue. Exactly. That is the illegitimate, illegitimate side of the things. So when a company or a multinational or a conglomerate okay, knowingly, deliberately decide to lower his tax bill in a country where the taxation level is high by overcharging, you know, transferring, you know, uh, as we call, you know, non-justified or illegitimate charges in this country or lowering, lowering his uh, sales revenue in this country. In this case, really, they purportedly did it to lower uh, the, the, the taxes in, the, in a, 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 a country where they should have paid more. In this case, really, it's a, a condemnable, condemnable practices. This is illegitimate. So are there any circumstances in which a company can do that, but do so legitimately? Uh, are you saying outright, 
uh, costing cash in country X must be, uh, you know, part of the accounting procedures and the, and, and the assessment of tax. Is, are there any circumstances where what you are saying might be exempt? Um, that, that, that is a question a little bit difficult. Uh, let, let's take it another way. Let's say that it will be legitimate in the, in the country, and that's what so we are seeing now, the, the, the country, mainly the develop, developing country in Africa, they are strengthened the fiscal policy, the, 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 you know, the, the, the fiscal policy where you know, they, you, you are so many provision now regarding the way you, you treat the, trans, the transfer pricing between, you know, two related associates, mainly the operating company and the country and, you know, the, 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 the headquarter. So I think that as long as the two criteria are not justified, as you say, the reality of the transaction, and the fair prices compared to the competitive market, you know, the, 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 the host country should not allow that to happen. So can I, personally, I don't see a legitimate reason to transfer charges to another country or to lower revenue to another country as long as that is not justified, supported by a transaction, and is not in relation if the fair price is on the competitive market. Hmm. I understand. So I want to ask you, so typically this um, contention happens between a host country yep. in an emerging market or developing country and a multinational, uh, sometimes as most multinationals are resident in developed markets. And yeah. when this happens, the perception is that the company is favoring that country. But actually the company is not favoring a country. The company is just favoring its financial books. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, the, 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 comp the company, uh, in, in fact, they, they are not doing it for the sake of favoring the, the country where the head office is located, as you see in generally in, in developed countries, they are doing it if they decide to, 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 to proceed this way is just to, to, to increase their own profitability. The, the, the ultimate goal is not to pay too much at the end, too much tax, whatever the, 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 the payment has to, has to take place either in developed country or in developing country. Mm. So, you know, the reason I, I want to emphasize this point is that you and I being Africans know that uh, there is a certain uh, racial tension uh, between multinationals from Europe particularly and host governments because these multinationals are often seen as uh, if you wish, surrogates, modern day surrogates of former colonialists. And, and, and often what is purely a corporate goal and a corporate objective is often linked to politics when it really isn't. 
And my sense is that this is a case in point that uh, we misconstrue uh, a tax strategy, if you wish, of a company to be somehow a statement of politics of race. And, and, and I think it's important for African governments to realize this, but also to think if this is the game, how can we attract them to be resident in our own countries, assuming that that would make a difference? Um, I, I think that uh, this, this key shown, yeah, it can be um, uh, an understanding from some side of the, 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 the this uh, interaction between um, host country, mainly uh, developing, developing, developing country or um, African country and the multinational. But for me, the solution for that, I think that we, you and I, we had the opportunity to discuss it, is to, uh, for the African country to increase their capability. They need to have, when discussing, you know, the convention with the multinational, they need to have the resources we, un we understand, you know, how, you know, the, 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 what is the mindset of the multinational, what they are looking for, what they are perspective, what they plan, the investment, what are their strategy. That is very important. That is very important so that we will have a, a convention who is, if not uh, uh, less favorable, uh, more favorable to the, to the host country, but at least is not unbalanced or unfair. That is very important. As mm -hmm. long as we don't resort to people who understand the, 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 the business world, the, the, the international market, how the, 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 the multinational function, it will, it will be very difficult to, to be able to, to frame all this situation, to be able to retrieve the best of it for the, for, for the country and the population. Hmm. So you, you of course, you speak French. So you, so you say convention, and the English should say agreement. Agreement, uh, and, yeah. Yeah, and and the the, the importance, uh, just in case the subtlety is lost in what you're saying, the importance of the agreement is that that is what uh, leads to the tax regime that forms part of the mineral development uh, agreement. But but the key to what you're saying. In addition to that, is that part of what governments should understand is the mindset of the companies, but also the strategy for how exactly. they manage not just that particular subsidiary, but their whole company and how they exactly. see uh, themselves optimizing the investments worldwide. And, and I exactly. think that this is so important because when my observation is that, companies come into one jurisdiction, but they don't, they see that asset as part of a bigger portfolio. By contrast, by contrast, the countries think that they are the only subsidiary. And so they miss the point that they don't understand uh, why strategically certain things are non-negotiable for multinationals. Because as I always say, you know, if they have a multinational footprint, they have a multinational DNA, they have a multinational strategy. And, and unless you understand that hierarchy, 
you are negotiating in a vacuum. And, and so I exactly. couldn't agree with you more that part of what should go into preparing for strategies for negotiating these fiscal regimes is understand the other person across the road, where they're coming from strategically, what is important to them and why it is important to them, because then you can engage uh, like equals. So I, I do think that that is very important. But you know, I want to take you back to these intercompany uh, mm -hmm. transactions and the intercompany trading, because we are, you and I in the mining industry, so we can visualize. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can you just for the sake of people who have not been in this environment, explain what is what are the type of services or goods that a company doing business in Guinea Conakry may engage a subsidiary uh, doing business in South Africa to supply them with or Australia for that matter. Can you give very concrete example for people to appreciate the, the commercial legitimacy of such transactions? Okay, may, may, okay. Let, let, let's, let's see in, um, uh, in, in Guinea or wherever in, uh, in, in Africa. Let's say that um, uh, we we may need some spare part to 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 continue running the, the plant and the equipment. You are we we are not uh, uh, you know a, a manufacturer of those spare part and uh, in general those spare part are, are um, made manufactured in Europe uh, or, or in the United States, for 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 instance. We may, you may need a regular supply for that, and it can be difficult sometimes, sometimes to to to, uh, to to source those spare parts or the new equipment you need. You may you may resort to you know um, uh, purchasing department of your 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 mother company to source this. Okay, this is legitimate. Hmm. You will buy, for instance, Caterpillar. You, you will ask them to buy for you the, the, the you know the, the, the spare part for the mining mining trucks, the, 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 the plant equipment. Okay, they will do that. Normally, you will receive the spare part. So the, 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 there is the reality of transaction between the, the affiliate and is the, the motor company. So mm. the question is, the price is the price they are, they are going to charge you. Is it just the, the actual price given by the uh, uh, ultimate manufacturer or they will add something? So you, you see in the example, Chila, you mm -hmm. have a situation where it can be legitimate, okay? Because you need something, the, your parent company will buy it for you. It's a reality. The transact, the reality the, the, of the transaction here. There is in, there is a need for that. Then you can get at the fair prices if you say, okay, I'm going gonna to bill you back to invoice you the exact cost that I have paid to, to the ultimate um, uh, manufacturer. Okay, that's fair. If you say, okay, 
but I have some transaction costs because you know some people have been working on it. The head office, the space, I will add, I will, you know, top five percent up on the actual prices to build you back. That's we can say is fair. But if we come at the situation when they say, okay, it's fifty percent, I'm going to mark up on on the, on the original prices to 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 end invoice you back. That's where you know. We can we come from a legitimate, acceptable, and completely illegitimate. Mm -hmm. Is that example speak to you? Yeah, yeah, it does indeed. What you're saying is even if they add a markup because they are handling cost, admin cost, that's fair, as long as yeah. they're within reason. Uh, exactly. but once they double the price uh, yeah. just because they can, uh, yeah. this is not acceptable. But, but exactly. I think also this is what, what you meant by conglomerates, because of course, sometimes when you have multinationals uh, that have uh, numerous operations, it's not unusual also for them to set up manufacturing because they then see their subsidiaries as a captive market. They say, look, we are half the procurement book of this manufacturing. Why not just set up our own subsidiary and make money from it? I think yeah. also the, 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 those kind of conglomerates that begin not to simply facilitate supply to a company, uh, a subsidiary in Guinea, but have actual profit-making centers that are reliant on manufacturing and supply. I think it is there that also the tendency to overprice and take advantage of a captive market, while at the same time disenfranchising, uh, you know, the host countries who receive tax. That also I've, I have seen to be part of the problem. But but I, I think it's it's quite clear from what you've said uh, that transfer pricing, per se, on face value. Uh, undertaken as genuine commercial transaction arm's length between two subsidiaries is fine. Abused exactly. to inflate costs and undermine the uh, tax bill of one country to favor a country where the tax rate is lower. That is not acceptable because then that is just uh, playing around with uh, accounting uh, issues. So. I wanted to, we've, we've spoken about the disadvantage yeah. to host countries of this illegitimate form of transfer pricing. Mm -hmm. Is there any advantage to the other country? It, it depends. It, it, it depends. Um, let, let, let's see, in, in general, you know, the, the the, the the worst case of this uh, scheme of um, price transfer is when you 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 favor um, a tax haven country, okay, as we call it in French, paradis fiscal, okay, where you completely make in such a way that you all the profit will go in a country where the, 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 in, the, the income tax is almost 0%. In that case, okay, uh, you, you, first of all, you favor your own, you know, <laughs> bottom line, I, I'm talking about the, the company. And the, the, what the 
the the this the, the country was benefiting of it we 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 will ask at advantage is you know the the fact that you have the head, headquarter there the fact that you will create some some uh so some 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 employment for the country but in general in general also uh, you you will increase the profit there so even if the 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 the, the 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 income tax is very low it's still something that the country can take so what what that is mainly the advantage of uh, you know the the the, the other country uh, which uh, do the the price transfer you know at the expense of uh, you know the developing country in general okay mm. so it's the location of the head office employment and some minimum level of uh, of um, income tax. Okay, so but it's the not, ultimate it's not winner like, is the company. Yeah, it's, so the beneficiary by and large is the company, not the the host country. Though they may benefit from having people there uh, managing the the uh, treasury and the corporate exactly. uh, finance uh, function. So listening to you, it sounds to me like contrary to public discourse, this thing of transfer pricing is really not unique to the mining industry, is it? No, definitely this is not unique to the mining industry, Chile. We see it in other industries, mainly in the tech industry, where the magnitude of the transfer pricing is far bigger than what we can see in some circumstances in mining sector. So here's my last question to you. I read recently that um, yeah. members of the G7 have reached agreement to set what they call the global corporate tax rate of 15%. And that subsequently, uh, 130 other countries have adopted this principle. I was curious to see uh, if at all there has been any response from the mining industry and, and, and what the mining industry thinks of this. Uh, setting of what, uh, frankly, is a very low tax rate. Yes, the, this this has been um, um, I'm calling it in bracket um, a great decision made recently by G7. But your first question, if there was any uh, comment on behalf of a mining company, I don't think so. I did not hear anything about it. Mm -hmm. I, at least I think that the um, um, International Council on Mining and Metal, who, you know, uh, have most, most of the big mining company, I did not hear anything from them. But I personally, I don't think, Chile, that um, the mining company was the target uh, of this uh, uh, minimum corporate tax. Uh, to, to, to be honest, I think that the target was mainly uh, in the high-tech sector. Uh, you, 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 you can guess uh, where, who, who I'm talking about. Um, because I think that the mining uh, company in general, I think once again, in general, uh, are 
paying um, uh, a corporate tax far above, far above the 15%. That's why I think that this uh, agreement on the minimum, the 15% minimum and corporate tax were not specifically targeting the, 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 the mining sector. However, however, it can have an impact of, on some mining company. Why? If the mining company has his head office or one of his branches located in tax event company where the taxation level were, were far below the 50%, it shows that if, if this uh, agreement is enacted in the law uh, in, all, in all those countries, ultimately the level of profit of the mining company who are having the, 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 so some subsidiaries in the tax haven country uh, will uh, definitely uh, be impacted in terms of profit. Their profit will be reduced. That's fantastic. Well, I have enjoyed our conversation and I think you have been very helpful in shedding light on the difference between legitimate uh, transfer pricing and illegitimate uh, transfer pricing. So thank you very much for taking the time to speak to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. It was a real pleasure having you as my guest. It was my pleasure, Sheila. Thank you very much.